This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We're back after a two-week break. Not a ton of breaking news beyond the um, the recruiting world for Notre Dame, and it, it was significant. Notre Dame landed defensive tackle Riley Mills and offensive tackle Tosh Baker in in within that span. I think Jimmy Chris was in their offensive tackle that went to Virginia, and Peter Skronsky that went to Northwestern. Uh, I think most people would say net gain for Notre Dame there if it was two for two. I know you definitely would, Pete. You're not Pete's not well, big on Pete. No, I, it's look. It Riley Mills is a defensive tackle, that's um, so that's the most important one. Mm-hmm. And then Tosh Baker is the highest rated of their the three offensive linemen in play, and was Notre Dame sort of. I think between Chris and Baker, I'm not sure that Notre Dame could. Um, Honestly, get up and tell you who was number one. Um, I mean, now they will say it was Baker, but Jimmy Chris really good. I've player. I've had somebody in the goo say that they thought Chris was the best offensive tackle they've seen in years. Yeah, and I you know I think I think Tosh Baker has that level of ability, not to mention the length. But I don't think that he's pl- he's come close to playing his best football. Yeah, I mean he's a basketball guy. Um, you know, certainly I think people have made some Ronnie Stanley comparisons with the hoops background. There, I mean, I went and saw Baker. I, I stood next to him. I watched like part of his basketball practice in January. He's huge and he's thick. He's also like a really nice guy and is is well aware that like he has to sort of recondition his body. Like, but it's not. I mean, I think there are some guys, offensive linemen, who are overweight, uh, mm-hmm. and he's not. <clears throat> there are some that just have a lot of baby fat that they're growing out of. He's in that group. Um, and it's it's interesting because he's thick, but he's athletic. Um, I think that there's a chance for him to, to really turn it on in the weight room once he's done with basketball in about a year and a half. I think he has to... He has to adjust his mind to a, a degree of aggression that he has not reached yet on the high school level. I think technique-wise, when he – I, I hesitate, hesitate to use this word, but I'm going to, so put it in perspective. When he's motivated, I'm not saying that he's not motivated, but when he is playing his best football, he looks motivated, he's quick, his feet are great, he looks like a true left tackle, he looks really, really good. I'm not sure he always carries that same level of motivation from snap to snap. So that's Jeff. That's up to Jeff Quinn to bring that out in him. That's not that's not a cut down of players. Otherwise, we wouldn't say we wouldn't hold the superheroes in that realm. We wouldn't say Zeke Carell. Like what? Did, what did you, someone told you, Pete? Zeke Carell's a different cat when he has a helmet on. There's yeah, his dad. Different. Yeah, he's, it, like, it's, he's like Zeke doesn't have any friends when he puts a helmet on. Not not everybody can be like that. No. I mean, so that that's why we that's why we also signal. That's not out a those. world I would want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> We can also signal out those people. There's got to be guys that aren't 100% yeah. at all times. Well, and also, when I look at Tosh Baker and people are throwing out accolades how great he is, I think of Petit Freer from last year. Yeah. And that dude is a, that dude's a five-star guy. Now, I don't know where he is with Ohio State. Maybe he hasn't. He's been there for one year, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just been one year. Uh, maybe they found out otherwise, but I thought he was absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah, athletically, Petit Frere was so light on his feet. Yeah. I mean, he was like gliding around a football field. Baker's not at that level, but it sort of goes back to the point O'Malley's making. Not everyone can be Nick Petit Frere. Tosh right. Baker is not, but he's tall and he's strong. No, he's a great he, prospect. He's, a, he's super easy fit for Notre Dame. Riley Mills is the same way. Um you know, Tommy Reese High School, Lake Forest, outside Chicago. I'm actually going to go spend some time with them on Wednesday. Uh, I, I mean, it, it was one. It was an interesting recruitment to to dig into a little bit because I, I got the perception that people overrated Notre Dame's chances with Mills as if it was like a done deal from the get go. Because like, oh, same high school as Reese and trains with Kerry Neal and from Chicago, well to do suburbs, like all that stuff. And that was not the case at all. I think there was a, a perception almost or inside Notre Dame that, like, the assumption of Riley Mills to Notre Dame sort of worked against them. It was something they had to overcome. Um, they did. I think Mike Elston did a really good job with this recruitment. And he's a athletic three technique and who's not six foot two. I mean, he's a legit six four, six five. It's hard to find yeah. Body types like that, the last one they had just went in the first round. He's a really good football player. Last thing, Peter Skronsky, Notre Dame, offered Michael Carmody as a result of Skronsky going to Northwestern. I caught a little grief because, I, I mean, I just thought, I think Skronsky's a really, really good prospect. I think Carmody is too. I just don't think that he's of the same. I don't, I think, 
fundamentally technique wise playing with you know your pads over your lower body I, you know I, I just think that he's much better prepared to do that in Carmody but Carmody obviously wants to come to Notre Dame his brother's here and his reaction to the offer um said a lot now I don't think he's a tackle maybe Notre Dame yeah, Notre Dame does think Notre Dame thinks he's a tackle. Notre Dame thinks he's a tackle, so um, you know we'll see if he ends up in Notre Dame and at, at tackle. That that really is the thing that changes most when they get to college, though. They all they can all play tackle. Not all. Most can play tackle. Projected to go play tackle. Oh no, he can play tackle. He can play tackle. Then they get there, and you get some really good tackles that look like they should be playing guard, like Steve Elmer. Tommy Kramer. And right. The list all, will go all, on and on. Almost and on. all the best Alex offensive Bars. linemen are Alex listed Bars. as tackle. He, was, he, was, a ta- he yeah. was a tackle. I let, let me okay, let me just clarify. I don't I have not seen enough of Michael Carmody as a pass blocker to think that he can block on edge. So yeah. I'm not saying that he can't. I'm saying I have not seen enough of him that I that I would positively say that I think he can block on the edge. Enough about that. Um a, a couple things. We start our uh, counting down down the Irish series. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole ton to say about this. There were some people <laughs> you know, that were there were some people that were kind of offended that, that that we were ranking them, but we thought it would just be more, much more. First of all, it's more fun for us, but more importantly, I think it's more interesting for our readers to see yes. what our thought process is. And it, 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 we actually should probably have a third vote, a third yeah, vote, yeah, a guest third, voting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah well, because for... it was funny once in a while, I, some, a couple guys on the board pointed out how could 83 plus 80, how could Tim say 83, you say 83, and it be 81. It's just a total. It's points. relative it's to relative how the to other points. Point totals yeah. turn we have some guys that have greater disparity. Yeah. When course. I read that, I thought, <laughs> "Yeah, wait a minute, how could <laughs> no, that happen?" It's no. just adding them it together. It, it, it does, though. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring it up, kind of down the Irish, was Saturday doing Brendan Clark. I remember thinking to myself, "We're putting him. He's a guy that conceivably could have an impact on the season. However, he shouldn't, as the third freshman, as a third quarterback coming mm-hmm. in as a freshman. That doesn't happen very often in Notre Dame." So you kind of had to rate him what what will logically happen, but and then you do the future prospects. That's what's part, that, especially for these freshmen that are rated down in the seventies and eighties. Future prospects is an important thing. You know what Brendan Clark's future prospect is? Starter or backup or transfer? And that's what every single quarterback that comes into Notre <laughs> Dame is. Yeah, well, he's also a, pretty much everyone, right? No, I mean, no, what, what? you don't have to transfer in other positions. When you, like they all, everyone leaves a quarterback if you don't get uh, a job. Okay, all right. I mean it's not every position. That's just pretty much when where... there's a fight for the job, the guy that loses eventually goes. Yeah, and but the thing is, I like Drew Pine better than Brendan Clark. You like Pete Brendan Clark better than Drew Pine, or I, more I than like, I do. I like Drew Pine better. So. Yeah. But, Nobody liked I like Ian Tyler Book Butner better, better than all th- than the other two. Agree, and that gets me to my point. No one thought when they got Ian Book to flip, and Malik Zaire was the quarterback, that this guy that flipped to Notre Dame, the th- consensus three star from Washington State, is going to be much better in every conceivable manner of quarterbacking than Malik Zaire. On nope. every level, on every level of everything, including running the football. Yeah, yes, and so instincts running the football. Are, it's a very hard position. Other than Trevor Lawrence, Peyton Manning, and four, four or five other guys that mm-hmm. you cannot miss. What, what, what's Blake Barnett doing? He's still at USF. Yeah, was Ian Book? Uh, that's okay they didn't get Blake Barnett because they got Ian Book. It didn't happen back then. You know, it's, it's now, very difficult. And I'm writing that with Clark, and I'm like, I don't know what's right. the prospects. <laughs> yeah. Which makes this whole counting on Irish thing so unbelievably subjective, especially with freshmen that aren't even yeah. Yeah, yeah. here yet. But Speculative, hey, I think, hey, is the word yes. you're looking for. But, hey, we're having fun with it. So it is. I, we hope our readers are, are uh, enjoying that, too. Last thing in this segment um, – I don't know that it's up yet. It probably will be by the time you hear this. I wrote a story this morning about most indispensable players because when we talked about doing the counting down the Irish, one person suggested that, you know, do it based upon where would they be if they didn't have that player, which I which is a good idea, but it doesn't You can't go to eighty nine. You can't go to eighty nine yeah. because the last sixty are all going to be Dispensable. <laughs> yes, exactly true. <laughs> so <laughs> most dispensable players. Most dispensable so players. Could, so we couldn't do it that way. So these two guys haven't seen the list that I made uh, out. I'm sure they're going to agree. I cheated. <laughs> You're sure we're no, agree I mean, I mean this, <laughs> we are going to agree <laughs> that you cheated. Yeah. No. Yes, I mean, we do agree you cheated. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to disagree. I second thought. I cheated by putting Okwara slash Kareem together, by putting Hainsey slash Eichenberg together, and Gilman Elliott. I, I want next year when the NFL draft comes around, the team that drafts Aquara, who also thinks they're getting Gets Kareem, Kareem dude. <laughs> it's the best deal ever. Uh, so the top ten, well, okay, uh, total total disclosure here. 
the the slideshows on on twenty four seven sports demands a maximum of ten. So, uh, but I thought there were more guys than that, so we doubled them up, and it worked out pretty well, as a matter of fact. But anyway, so you want me to start with the number one choice? Yeah, because I can't you're, pick you're backers on this now. list, right? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, start with number one. All right, well, number one, I pick Ian Book because I think the drop off there, and again, the criteria here is in order to compete for a playoff spot. Right. They can be fine with losing any one player. Yeah. To right, which is why... A commentary on their backup. Right, exactly. Okwara and Kareem have... You know, obviously, those are the two best defensive ends, but there are really good defensive ends in the program. And Ogundeji and and uh, and, uh, Hayes. and Hayes are certainly capable backups and the number three guys as well. But I had book one. So now I had to choose among... Okwara slash Kareem, Hainsey slash Eichenberg, Gilman slash Elliott. Who's more important? The safeties, the two offensive tackles, or the two defensive ends? I chose at number two Gilman and Elliott because the drop off, although you have Kyle Hamilton coming in there, you still you don't. There's still I mean, he still guy. doesn't have college experience playing the position. So I have Gilman Elliott too. Number three, I had Hainsey slash Eichenberg because I, I have a shorter while well, their backup offensive tackles are Freshman or guards or May or Mabry, yeah, right. or guards, right, right. I tried to cover yeah. all those angles. Uh, let me go through the rest of it. Four, Okwara slash Kareem. Five, Troy Pride. Six, Chase Claypool. Seven, Jafar Armstrong. Eight, Chris Fink. Nine, Cole Komet. Ten, and this is probably one that I have the most question about, but Kurt Heinisch because he is the most experienced among the interior defensive linemen, and at three technique. You have a true tag team, whereas behind Heinish, you have a true freshman that we don't know about yet. So that's my explanation. Disagree. At will. Uh, book is number one for me for the same reasons. I'd like to point out that when I started doing this in 2010 for Brian Kelly, I put Dane Christ at number one because they didn't have a backup, and then when they lost him, they won all the rest of their games. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> um, I go with the safeties, Gilman, because I don't I don't think the backups yeah. are as strong as the Aquara backups. Yes. Um what, do you put Hainsey Eichenberg as, I, then I as probably more go. indispensable than Okwara Kareem? No, because Okwara Kareem are so good. That's where I Gilman's like... a better player, and Elliott's a better player right now than Hainsey and MTA. So that's why I okay. have to. I mean, they need Gilman to do what he did last year and more. So you would put Okwara Kareem ahead of Hainsey Eichenberg in terms of importance? Yes, because okay. okay. I feel like you could live without one of those tackles if. Aaron Banks slides out and plays the year. And you know, Kramer could slide out. Kramer, that was yeah. one of the, the the explanations that I gave, that Kramer could slide back out tackle. He's probably more equipped now than he was when he played tackle. Right. I, I think I have Armstrong maybe a little higher than others because I kind of feel like he's the difference maker back there that makes Tony Jones have a role that he fits and that allows the third guy to have a role that he fits. And if Tony Jones has to be the lead back, you've lost that dynamic player in the backfield. Yeah, no, I agree. But they, you have a bunch of guys there and – Jamir Smith flashed. And, and I'm kind of breaking I, my own rule of saying you can always find a running back. You know, just give yeah, the guy the ball and he I runs mean, it. I, I don't think Sebo Flemister, I think there's a lot of ability in Sebo Flemister, Flemister that hasn't come out or hasn't been given a chance to come out yet. And he can only get it by yeah. if somebody gets hurt in front would of him you, probably. Would you agree with, would you have Fink and Komet in your top? I would have Claypool because I think he's the, the difference yeah. maker they have out there. Right. Um, I would Fink have, is also the punt returner too. Keep is. that in mind. I, I think I would take Komet over Fink, because I think they could replace Fink in the aggregate, and by that I mean not only Keys and and Young getting better on the outside, but the other tight ends can be involved more if Fink's out. You would just change a little bit of your approach. Yeah. I'm not saying you, you can lose Fink and everything's going to be fine, but that's we're splitting yeah. hairs at this point. Yeah. You know, Tommy Tremble gets a bigger role along with yes. Komet and Brock Wright if Fink's out, and Lawrence Keys goes and plays football more. So. No quibbles as long as everybody has Ian. I, I just want Gilman's my number two because I think he needs to be what he was last year and more, and he brings toughness and a lot of stuff that you don't you just don't have without yeah. Gilman. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't change any of the top five. At least not. I don't have a lot of conviction about like two, know, three, four. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Uh, but I I would not include Heinish if we're gonna go two. Then I would put Banks and Kramer in there over Heinish. Because um, it's, I mean, the same principle applies. Okay, then, then who are you playing? Mm-hmm. Lug at one of them, but like if that, that's yeah. I think no, Lug I get is, that. Lug's your backup for Hainsey and Eichenberg too. I mean, in some ways, you could probably put well, Lug and I'm thinking, 10 I'm if thinking, you really want. Also, yeah. yeah, we could What's put Lug at ten. He backs up five positions on the offensive yeah. line right now. Yeah. That's pretty important. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the other thing, 
I mean, just in explaining um, why I didn't include Banks or Kramer was because of Lug and because, I mean, is Ruland. I'm, I'm not assuming he'll be healthy, but I guess I'm considering that he has he has experience. He's played guard. He certainly could step into the starting lineup. I don't. I don't think I would have Fink on there either, just because of the things O'Malley said. He's like, while well, he's well, one of, he's like one of Notre Dame's probably ten. He's best Notre players, Dame's yeah. ten best players, but they can figure out a way to like get around him not being available more yeah. than like Kramer or Banks. I think, or I mean, Jared Patterson. Frankly, I think if if he went down, they would be in trouble, and he hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't really played in a game. Um, so you see why I went yeah, more than ten. Yeah, I can't. I can't yeah, limit it yeah. to ten. Um, but yeah, it's. A, I, I think. You know, I, I would actually. I said that I would. I would didn't argue with the top. I would. I wouldn't argue with top six. I think Claypool has to be number six. Yeah, I, um, and that's where I have it. You know, Jafar Armstrong. I think you could sort of muddle your way around there and be like, well, you know, I think they could probably get by without him for a little bit. But maybe, again, maybe for but a again, while. But again, the criteria is make the playoffs or contend but, for the playoffs. I guess it depends on if you lose these guys for the year. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's all subjective, and we have gone uh, probably uh, overboard here in segment one. We'll be back segment two with questions. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards. We start with a question from Statman72 out from the West Coast. The Know Your Foe feature, which Tim O'Malley's writing, made me wonder how closely you follow Nordheim's opponents during spring practice, fall camp, and the regular season up to the time they play Notre Dame. Considering I reached out to 12 beat writers from 12 different teams, offers how closely I cover them in the spring. Not at all, but all of June, <laughs> July, I am all over the other, and then it kind of takes a break in August for Notre Dame, and then, of mm-hmm. course, heavily during the season, I pretty much only watch Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, and uh, the team Notre Dame's going to be playing in the I, next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I read... People who do follow it yeah. closely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Athletic has a state of the program series, and they've had BC, Vatech, USC, Duke, and Louisville have run through. I've read all those. Um, Spring is just something that's not on the radar, though. You're yeah, not, yeah, I mean, it's just like let the, it unfold. The, the fact that I'm going to follow Duke and and pick out the Palmawala of Duke is <laughs> not realistic. Um, I'll let other people who know way more about Duke do that. Um, so it's it's very. Thirty thousand feet, like oh, Duke lost all of its receivers to go with Daniel Jones. I know that. That's about all I know and need to know about Duke at this point. Yeah, I mean, summer is there is when when Notre Dame is in spring football and recruiting is fourteen months a year. I mean, it's just it's just not possible. You, You just you can't live a life if you if you're following. Everything. So during spring football, no, I'm not following the opponents. When spring football ends, then we investigate that. And like I said, recruiting. I mean, I'm 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 looking at so much film of of recruits, and then analyzing Notre Dame. It's just very difficult to follow all that. But Summer's a great time. During summer, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we'll have our uh, first rate series where we're really looking at the personnel and trying to gauge the talent level of each team on Notre Dame schedule and Notre Dame by position. And then during the fall, again, you can't. I mean, you you take a, you take becomes... a peek at some of the future opponents, but there's just way too much work to be doing during the football season. Now, you know, I try to. I mean, as I before I write my preview, we DVR games and you make sure you. Watch, yeah, exactly. You, know. you, you you study that week's opponent as much as you possibly can, but there's also a limit for that too because I have to. I'm going over the Notre Dame game for the second time before I write my Thursday thoughts. So I do feel like I have to watch. The other team play a little, not just look at the numbers and stuff like that, because you could you could see if you like, well, no, well that, that could have worked out better. Absolutely. They have, have some, to, they have have some talent that. there. Uh, I mean, the numbers in the act, once you get 12 games in, 11 games in, the, the numbers do tell you a lot. Like when we're going over Clemson, thinking, hey, they look really good, but maybe their offensive line isn't great. And then Peter. Tim Preacher can say something. Well, they average nine yards a carry, so they're probably pretty good up front. You know, and yeah. I said, yeah, that's true. But after one game, it's hard. Like, yeah. remember I watched the BC Clemson games? Like, I saw some things. 
you can get against Clemson. But that's like it. <laughs> when, right. when you see them play everywhere yeah. else, you're like, you know, everyone's vulnerable on a couple plays a game. Mm-hmm. One of the things I try to do, especially when we're on the road, where, where there's a lot of downtime, hotel room downtime, if they're, if Nordane's playing at night and there are Nordane opponents, future yeah. opponents playing during the day, absolutely, I'm watching those games and taking notes and filing that away when it comes time to do a preview on them. Not Jay Tafel one. In your opinion, which of the unproven Nordane wide receivers will make an impact this upcoming season? Is Kevin Austin considered unproven? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's only two that are proven on the roster. Well, okay. and Michael Young is my Young, answer. Michael Young, I think, has to. Yeah. Like, Michael Young has 11 career catches. So to say that he's proven, I think, is kind of ridiculous. Um, Notre Dame's five biggest games last year, I think we would all agree, Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, USC, and Clemson. You know what his stats were in those games? I know he had a touchdown against Northwestern. He had a long one against Lake Forest. Forest. Yeah. Two catches for minus three yards. Yeah, and actually so, one of the catches on fourth down, he didn't get it. So, I mean, the, Michael Young, I, I think, is has to be the answer here. Um, I think he, he's the answer for a later question for me as well. Um, so, yeah, I just don't I don't think anyone could look at Michael Young and be just like, well, just chalk it up. He's going to have a great year because he's starting. He has he has not done it yet. Um, he had a really I, I good spring. It, that's why that's I why everybody's will, optimistic. I think he will have a good year, but I I just let's not skip a, some steps on Michael Young here and jump down to Lawrence Keys immediately. Speaking of which, Keys would be my second choice. Okay, yep, he would so, be my second choice totally as, right. as the backup. You're most confident that he'll make an impact this season. That's yep. what you're saying because that's what the question is. And you are saying I think Michael Young will make an impact. This yeah, season. I do too. Yeah. I mean, I thought he had a really, really good spring, mm-hmm. and for whatever that's worth. Well, I love the guy coming out of high school. I loved him in yeah, August camp too. of his first year, and the odd you things. You had, had him in my top ten. I yes. think I had him ten. Yeah. I like he even blocked in high school. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, you never see that from a wide receiver. No, he's that said, small. You know, just the things that when say he didn't take to coaching well, it, it was so odd to me to hear that, but he kind of admitted it. He just he would he'd be criticized for something, didn't take it well. It, it's hard to be a freshman player. And not take criticism well because you're going to do a lot of things wrong. God, can I relate to that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Irish, Irish. Well, I didn't answer the question. I agree. It's Michael Young. Um, I guess I was kind of looking at. Um, the, the, I, I didn't. I, yeah, I mean, I was looking at the the, the guys that were freshmen um, still this spring. Um, and I, you know, I guess I would still say Kevin Austin, but knowing where he sits with Notre Dame and the coaching staff and what he has to prove. Uh, I would probably say Lawrence Keys, but then he's behind Fink. So how much does he really get on the field? One of your top ten players. Fink, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, right. So that's, yeah. that's true. Exactly. Irish bro, who is your pick for an Irish player that people are not talking about enough? Who is flying under the fans' radar heading into fall camp? And I think that's still Michael Young. Yes, I'm not moving off Michael Young for this because I think he he falls perfectly into this window of. He's been here long enough that people are like, ah, I'm not that interested. Like, he's not, you know, the bright and shiny. But he also hasn't done enough for people to be like, oh, yeah, God, this guy's a lock future All-American uh, NFL draft pick. So I think I there, you know, some people would probably throw out Jalen Elliott for this. I mean, Jalen Elliott led the team in interceptions last year. Yeah, he doesn't count anymore. Like, he's good. He's really good. Yeah. Um, Michael Michael Young is falls into this window perfectly, and it's it's a very narrow window, but he... He gets to be old enough that people are just like, eh, and but still has enough time left that I think he could make a real impact. The, but the question is, who are who are people not talking enough about? Michael and Young. I, and I, I mean, yeah. I definitely agree, Michael Young. But I, I also don't, I also don't think that uh, Jalen Elliott is considered mm-hmm. the player that we believe he is now, and I think that'll ultimately be reflected in our counting down. Um, I think it might be reflected when they pick captains too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying for sure. I'm saying no, he's on think, the cusp. I think yeah. he absolutely has a great chance to be a captain. I guess it's the question is who are the people? Are the people Notre Dame fans or are the people like more national media? Like who's who's not doing the enough talking? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know that, what I mean? Like Yeah. Uh I think it's probably a fan thing. Okay. Uh but I think the media wouldn't certainly the media is not talking about Michael Young either. I don't know that I don't know that um fans Totally realize how good Cole Komet can and should be. Do you not listen to this podcast? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
matter with you? That's uh, true. He does highlight our podcast yeah. quite often. Well, that, no, which, which reminds me that somebody on our message board said, am I the only one that, that thinks Jafar that Jafar Armstrong is going to have a great year? I said it last August. It's yeah. like, don't you listen to our podcast? You mean somebody doesn't listen to our yeah. podcast? He might be the national one, Jafar Armstrong. No Notre Dame fan. Should yeah, he's gonna have a good year, but naturally he probably doesn't get enough. Well, I've been uh, I've been participating with a twenty four seven sports question of the week each mm-hmm. week, representing Notre Dame, of course. And I've said enough positive things about Jafar Armstrong <laughs> that if you say it if every the other sites, yeah, if the other sites are, are, are reading what what uh, Irish Illustrated offered, they'll they'll know about that. Uh, recruiting is life. What are the positions of greatest need for the twenty twenty class? I. I mean, I, I think you have to look at this in, in two respects. One, who's already committed. Sure. And two, who they're still pursuing and who's who's at the top of their list. And who they got last year because those are the two-year cycles. Right. Look and, at. They, and so far they have verbal comments from a quarterback, a receiver, two tight ends, an offensive tackle, two defensive ends, a, two defensive tackles, and a long snapper. I mean, I, I would start hmm. – I start with safety just because, like, there's not enough yeah, behind call. him. There aren't. Um, no. You know, it's like Kyle Hamilton is great, and Litchfield Adjuan might be really good, but that's it. Um, you know, Derek Allen hasn't really clicked yet, and DJ Brown, I think, is not somebody, you know, to get to your in- indispensables. <laughs> making Like, DJ Brown is not going to be a starter on a playoff team. Um, you know, after that, I think tackle, due to the lack of bodies there, even though I, I think there's, there's some nice offensive, yeah, tackle. offensive tackles. Uh, and then, you know, I, I hesitate to, like, just ignore linebacker and just the front seven in general, but then I get to the offensive skill positions and the Cam Hart, Kendall, Abdul Rahman combination. Um, I'm, in addition to the fact that n- really none of the sophomore receivers, I'm talking about the Austin Keys, mm-hmm. Wilkins, I think there's some good players there, but they haven't really done anything. Uh, and then I, I'm not, I'm sort of torn between running back and wide receiver for. Which one is the third most important? And which one's the fourth? Most well, they important. have one, they have Jordan Johnson, who's an excellent wide receiver, verbally committed. I, they yeah. don't have a running back committed yet. I think running back's the more logical call in that you have you mentioned four sophomore wide receivers. A couple of them are going to end up being good. Mm-hmm. You know, four they're not all four going to hit. And then if you if if Cam Hart, if Jordan Johnson becomes better than Cam Hart within a year and a half, you've kind of usurped Cam Hart yep. not being the which we think he will be, you've kind of usurped the fact that you feel like they missed out a wide receiver. Running back, I, 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 that's why I have Jafar Armstrong so high in that indispensable. I think he's special and everybody else I'm waiting to see. So I think you need to bring in a certain running back. That kind uh, of- yeah, Chris Tyree yes. is who they need to bring in. Um, <laughs> I think they need a great corner. I think Clark Phillips is potentially a great corner. I agree with you, Pete, about the safeties. Uh, Lathan Ransom, who's really, really good. I'm not sure the level of Jordan Morant and Christian story, but those are two guys that they're they're looking at. I consider Braden McGregor to be a five star defensive end. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to just start naming players, yeah, I mean, to, to me, he's to me, he's a five star prospect, and so. Keep giving me those defensive ends, man. That's how you. That's how you get to the playoffs with guys like that. Hey, I'll take a one wide receiver class again if you can get more five star quality defensive ends in there like McGregor. Now, that's just. I, I agree with that, and and Jalen McMillan is a guy that you know Notre Dame is hopeful for. I don't know about you, Pete. Uh, AJ Henning. I mean, it, it sounds like he's trending away from. I never for a second did I think AJ Henning was going to Notre Dame. Uh, I disagree. With that, I mean, I don't think he's. I think he's only trending away in the sense that he just visited Michigan. Like, okay, you know. So, by you're right, he is trending well, away think, because he just took a visit. Well, St- else. I, Steve Wiltfong from Twenty Four Seven Sports didn't he? Crystal, I don't know. I think he, he put he him down to Michigan, and um, yeah, that's what I'm saying it because he, he oh. I think he put a crystal ball. I would be. Him. I may be confusing him with somebody else. But. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised, um, but not shocked if he went somewhere else. Um, I, you know, I think they're they're in fine shape with him. I guess it's like they're not going to get everybody in the same way that you know they didn't get Kristen Skaronski. Um, but maybe last weekend something really clicked with Henning at at Michigan. I'm not really sure. Georgia just like Georgia as an option for AJ Henning does not make a lot of sense to me. Um, if Notre Dame lost him to Michigan, that would be like okay, I could yeah. see that. If they lost him to anybody else, it would really yeah. that would sort of blow me away. Um, the salty jazz. Yeah, following up on that. 
How many of ND's 2020 headliner recruits thus far would you rank above everyone not named Kyle Hamilton or maybe even Jacob Lacey from last year's class? Three or four, he wonders. Well, I so I went through the 24-7 composite and just ranked the top ten guys of the last two, two years? cycles. Okay. So one is Jordan Johnson, two, Tosh Baker, three, Kyle Hamilton, four, Zeke Carell, five, Michael Mayer, Six, Quinn Carroll. Seven, Jordan Botello. Eight, Riley Mills. Nine, Drew Pine. And ten, Jacob Lacey. Yeah. I don't have Pine that high. I like Pine a lot, but he's not the, I wouldn't the have ten Pine that high. I think there are five. I don't, you know, I don't know yet, but I think there are five guys to consider for this, and that would be Jordan Johnson, Tosh Baker, Michael Mayer, Jordan Botello, and Riley Mills. So, yeah, so in other, so I think the point of the question is, my five Man, they're guys, recruiting really well, aren't they? they? Really are. and yes, they are. My five guys from last year's, when we officially ranked the recruits, was Hamilton, um, Carol Carell, Asafa Mensa, and I think Lacey, then Foskey. And I think my drop-off kind of started at the 7-8 range. So did mine. Yeah. I think uh, I, had I, had a Qua- I had a Quanu up in I had Spears there. in the 7 or 8 range. It must have been 7 because my drop-off was 8. I think Pete, we talked about that. It's like... That KJ Wallace, who do you like? But you know, that was where I was like, ah, well, now it's developmental mm-hmm. players yeah. to wait and see. So, yeah. what's the five guys I said? Here's the problem: I've seen Osafa Mensa, and I know Mike Elston likes him, and he's been at Notre Dame. So it's hard for me to say, well, I'll kick him out of this top ten list because I liked him then. Yeah. They like him now, and he's been playing. <laughs> so it makes it everybody else is yeah. subjective coming in. But they have they have ten verbal commitments in the class of 2020, and at least five of them. Our legitimate consideration to be right up there at the top with everybody in that class, with Hamilton being a little bit of an outlier. In these in these rankings, Chris Chris Tyree would be number one um, the last two years. Clark Phillips and Jalen McMillan would be below Jordan Johnson, but above Tosh Baker. Uh, AJ Henning and Braden McGregor, McGregor would be below Kyle Hamilton, but above Zeke Carell. I mean, look, I like Kyle Hamilton number one. Like, I I like him more than Jordan Johnson, more than Tosh Baker. I agree. Not, not more uh, than Chris Tyree necessarily, though. Chris Tyree is a fine number one. Yeah, like yeah. Kyle Hamilton and Chris Tyree, I think are on equal footing. And you need Hamilton more. Yeah, number one on offense and number one on defense. Um, you know, I haven't watched enough of Phillips or McMillan to have much of an opinion. I think McGregor's too low. I think Henning is probably just fine where he is. I think you're going to like Phillips a, a lot. I like Phillips a lot. Uh, at Big Mac 24, likelihood of Braden McGregor being Irish or verbally committing Notre Dame? 51%. I mean, I, I, I think they're the favorites to get him. Really? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'd put him at – I'd put Notre Dame below 50%. But that that may be because I like him so much and I don't want it to – you know, I mean, I'm – Protecting your heart. I'm being that. I'm being human here. Yeah. Okay, I just you know yeah I I wrote forty five percent. Okay, um, I think that I think they're well. I mean, they could be the favorites of forty five percent. Oh, I was and doing that. Fi- yeah, I was okay. Okay, but I'm, I'm saying a fifty fifty kind they're of the thing. Favorites and are the majority. Like, yeah, you know, is there like a two percent chance he could go to Georgia and a. Forty-three percent chance of Michigan. Well, I hope you're. I mean, I hope you're right. For Notre Dame's sake, I hope you're right. And I think certainly Riley Mills committing Notre Dame does not hurt Notre Dame's chances. And no, it is. It's a huge. It's significant. And and the week before the Blue Gold game, it was Kanana and and Mills and McGregor hanging out together at practice inside Notre Dame Stadium. So is it uh, McGregor and Mills will room together? They already have planned to do that if McGregor ends up here. So. Great. You can take that how all you right. want it. I, I, I take it as I like all defensive ends yeah. to come to Notre yeah. Dame. So every year we say, it really stinks they can't get this fifth this good defensive dude. end on the field. That dude sure. can play. At Kenny Covington 1, is Notre Dame in good position with Chris Tyree, or is he Lorenzo Booker 2.0? Tim, I know you like this question. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, the Lorenzo Booker thing was like pulled the rug out from underneath Notre Dame. I I mean, I, I will say this. I think I feel better about Notre Dame's chances with Chris Tyree. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Just because I don't know, just a player of that magnitude and the position, the position he plays, plays, the position yeah. he plays, the style. Yeah, yeah, I believe it when I see it. But I think Notre Dame is pretty well positioned for Chris Tyree. If Notre Dame does not get Chris Tyree, it will shock the Notre Dame staff, and you would have to question sort of their ability to read the recruitment. 
I'll go that far on that that's, one. That's that's pretty far. I, I think they they Mitch think, Lorenzo Booker did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good that, question. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it's not. I'm not saying this is like how could you let this happen? They're high school kids. It happens. Right. But I, I think Notre Dame is that common. You mean if Notre Dame doesn't get Chris Tyree, you're not going to blame Notre Dame for doing something wrong? They probably must not. have screwed up. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. It's That's not funny. always that. I mean, I just I'm I'm being facetious yeah. because it's not always that. Sometimes in athletic competition, on the field and off the field, you lose. You <laughs> you you were in you were in direct competition with Virginia for Jimmy Crist, and you lost. And you were in direct competition. For Peter Skronsky with Northwestern, and you lost. It's Pete's favorite line by David Shaw when Stanford lost to Northwestern in the opener and only lost one more game all year. Coach, what happened in that game? We didn't play very well and we yeah. lost. <laughs> that yeah. happens, man. It, it, it <laughs> Those happens. things go that sometimes, so down. Sometimes the team that you're competing against on and off the field just does a better job. Yeah. Donnelly, 34 34. What are the odds that this class is the top rated since 2013? Pretty good, right? I mean, I He's think 11, pretty good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think pretty darn good. Very high, I would say. You know, it's like the 13 class, they had four top 100 players, 19 players who were four or five stars. There was only one five stars, Jalen Smith. And then 12 top 200 players. I mean, I, I feel like the 12 top 200 players, I think they will hit. Um Four top hundred players. I feel. I don't think they're going to get nineteen four or five star players because the class is not going to be that big. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you look back at the class. Like Devin Butler was one of those four stars. Rashard, like does Rashard that really Kinlaw, count? Yeah. Michael yeah. Deeb. Those guys uh, were Doug, uh, those Doug were, Randolph. Uh, I think Randolph was a four. Deeb and uh, yes, yeah, so they were three. Kinlaw yes, were not. yeah. But um, I think it. I think it, the it's sort of comparing it to the the current sophomore class is probably a. A, a more they're the tenth ranked, technically the tenth ranked. It's a class, more yeah. interesting conversation to have. Um, but I and I think this because I don't think this I don't think this class is going to rise to the level of the thirteen group. Um, but I do think it's going to be a group that hopefully Brian Kelly will look back from from Notre Dame's first and be like, all right, you know, maybe we don't need to settle for being ten to fifteen. We can be mm-hmm. six to ten. Um, so I think this group will sort of be yeah. the bot. The second half of the top ten which I was, is really where Notre Dame can and should yeah, be. I was kind of hoping Mike Bray would do the same thing in the last recruiting class after getting the 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 five that he did in the previous class, but they they you know they went for it all and came up short. Yeah. But Notre Dame basketball is not Notre Dame football, and so I get the difference there. Uh, over under, I will do these uh, one at a time from uh, B Man underscore twenty seventeen. Over under three and a half. One score games in 2019. Wait, I mean sailing over. Yeah. Do you know what per, what percentage of Brian Kelly coached games at Notre Dame were one score games? If that includes eight points, more than right. there should be. Is that what you're trying to <laughs> no, say? No, that's not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. There's no judgment about. Okay. No judgment. All right. All right. Just give I, me a percentage. I believe there are seven a year on average, because I always predict there will be eight. I'm only right sometimes. Um, I could probably do this in my head right now. Let's see. Well, I think that I think uh, that, I'll say sixty-five percent. Oh God, man, you're stocked out. It's forty-four percent. One score games. Forty-four percent of games have been one score games under Brian Kelly. Um, no, I'm thinking of my fault. The one I is the game is decided in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, that's sixty-five percent. Yeah, because that's when you look at it if you're up by a touchdown. There's been in the what quarter. in 2016 they had eight. In 2013 they had seven. Uh, every other year has been five or more, except for 2017, which was when they three. were blowing people. They're out. killing everyone. Yes. Uh, the crazy thing is that's why I do the fourth quarter because you can pull away in the fourth quarter. But there's like if you go into like for instance 2012, I see five down there. There are more than five games where you're walking in to the fourth quarter, thinking we got they got to yeah. get away from this team at some point. You know, there's when you leave you by seven going the fourth quarter, it's right? You almost need to ju- you almost need to judge it by the end of three quarters. I mean, yeah, whether it's you guys because can take it's this with up it. with whatever. Okay, all right. We need to keep moving. Uh, over <laughs> under, over under five and a half Cole Komet touchdowns. Uh, I think I'll have five. So under, under because uh, the record of six has stood for forty years. So I'm going to stick with it. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that, but I'm taking over anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I th- because I think Claypool and Komet get the bulk of the, the the receiving touchdowns. I predicted over for Kyle Rudolph and Tyler Eifert, and it was proven wrong both times. So okay, I can never do it again. Over under forty points per game offensively. Over. I think, oh, gonna, I think it's going to happen this year. I say it. 
just falls under again. Yeah, I'm, I got to go under because it's so that's high. A, that's high, man. That's really well, high. I need, I need odds on this. Like, I know. I, I think it will <laughs> happen. Also, you would give me odds on this, like. It's an over-under. No. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, there's going to be like a, a... Minus 120. Yeah, something. <laughs> Give me something. We can turn that into an official bet. Here's the deal. Throw me a they, bone, They'll man. go over, but I want two and a half beers from that, opposed to the one if they go under. That's fair. That, that is fair. Guaranteed. Do we go against Priester in a beer bet with Comet? Because I was going to sucker you into the Comet bet this year, Pete, and, but now oh, it sounds well, like you're on my side. So there's. <laughs> well, if he gets banged up and missed time that's in why, September, that, that I'm all throwing counts. my hands up. I know. <laughs> he, that counts, he, that too. counts. That's why he lost yeah. the Mac bet last year. Ridiculous. <laughs> At Dan underscore Brian 21. 24 7 Sports had Brian Kelly as the 16th 1 6. Best coach with some questionable people in front of him with the program clicking on all cylinders. Where would you have him right now? I'm looking at the list, and I know that. There is no reason to rank Dan Mullen, James Franklin, and Pat Fitzgerald. I'm going out there ahead Pat, of Brian Kelly. Pat I, Fitzgerald Pat's a great is coach. A, Pat, but, yes, he's done a tremendous job there. Pat, for the record, Pat Fitzgerald on the 24-7 sports list is 7th, James Franklin 8th, Dan Mullen 12th, Brian Kelly 16th behind Tom Herman at 13, Mark D'Antonio at 14, David Shaw at 15, and Brian Kelly, one spot ahead of Jim Harbaugh. I think the only – I feel strongly that he should not be in the top five. I agree. Um, I also feel strongly he should be in the top ten. But it, it's like I don't – I can't sit there and pound the table for Brian Kelly over Jimbo Fisher with a whole lot of conviction. Um, I would put – yeah, obviously your top five, for me at least, it's obvious, would be Saban Sweeney. I would – Lincoln Riley, Smart, and Chris Peterson, not necessarily in that order. Um, and then I think sort of Brian Kelly with David Shaw, Jimbo Fisher. Um, Gary Patterson's been doing a great Gary job. Gary Patterson has done a good job. Mike Leach is listed number six. Matt Campbell from Iowa State is listed number nine. What are your comments I mean, I, on I that? Li- I like Leach a lot. Um, but, I, you know, it's like if you said Leach was eight and Brian Kelly was nine, I'd probably be like, all right, I guess. Um, yeah, it's hard to do. There's some of the ones that are, it's just weird that Priester pointed that out before we start talking about it. He just went to the playoffs and he's 16th. It's I mean, a usually, strange right. Spot. Usually, it, when you know this is this is so these kind of polls are based upon what happened the previous year. Yeah. Kelly just went to the playoffs and he's 16th. 16 makes no sense. And he's um, 22 and four. Went to the playoffs in the last two years. I guess two years of good coach of of doing a good job in Notre Dame. Well, t- I mean. T- w- Tom Herman. Tom Herman. Exactly what has Tom Herman done <laughs> Georgia, in comparison? That's what this is. That, if they lost that game to Georgia, he'd okay. be behind Brian Kelly. That's okay. how these lists go. He would be. Uh, okay. Tom I, Herman I get would it. just fall behind Kelly if he lost. I Georgia. mean, I have a hard time, and I've I you know have been pretty staunch in in with Mark D'Antonio, but I mean, how many? He's kind of strung together how many years now where they have not been. To you know, the level you would that that they certainly were before that. I think I saw something on our board. It was a, oh, I know it. It was on our board that said uh, I would take Kelly's nine last nine. I'd take Kelly's tenure over D'Antonio's tenure because D'Antonio's has trended down, and they never and they reached the playoffs once. Kelly reached it once, but Kelly played in the championship game too. He, I mean, he won the Rose Bowl. He won the Rose Bowl, which Kelly only had a chance to win. I mean that was like that was like good Stanford too. That was I mean, good Stanford. He didn't he didn't have a chance to beat that Ohio. I don't think they were going to beat Ohio State, but he didn't have a chance considering what they had lost that day going into the game. Like they were broken, defeated team going into that game. That was a really good year for Kelly, the fifteenth season. Yeah, which was by the, the end, which he was the year D'Antonio beat Ohio State. Because uh, yes. I think I think we were in Boston as that was happening, right. and like Michigan State was awful and somehow won that game. Um, you could, I mean, you Columbus, could, argue, you could argue D'Antonio ahead of Kelly. Well, I'm just other, saying it's, it, it seems like they've forgotten his, right? It, it, the arc is not, it, it's going a little bit <laughs> the other way right now. Right. Well, I mean, 16 it, is too low. How's that? It's too low. And I, I, you know, again, and I don't mean, I mean, the one, the, the, the year that D'Antonio went 12 and one or 13 and one, he lost in our name. It's clearly hard for Pat Fitzgerald to recruit to Northwestern and compete with Ohio State, Michigan, and everybody else. I'm no way disparaging his ability to be a coach because he kept the Notre Dame game closer than it should have been, for one thing. And he beat Brian Kelly the last time he played him, although 
Giant hiring practices by Kelly might have yeah. lost that game. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and uh, the ability to run out the clock. Yeah. Well, that one was on the coach, though. So right. maybe. But I think accomplishments have to be involved in this, too. I know it's really hard to win at Stanford, Northwestern, and Notre Dame. But it's harder to recruit to Northwestern and Stanford because Notre Dame is a 100-year brand. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Mark D'Antonio's 20 and 18 in the last three years. Now, and he was great. Now, prior, prior to that, to that he was 36 and, <laughs> yeah. 36 and 5. That's pretty good. Yeah. So if Kelly has another year, like he did last yeah, year, he'll whatever. be 36 and 5 it, in his it, last three years. None That's... of it uh, really matters because it's so damn subjective. Maddie Hebs, 14. On and off field, the coaching staff is operating like a well oiled machine. Nordin would be smart to keep this staff together as long as possible. The program currently is as healthy as it's been in some time. With that said, has there been any talks of contract extensions for any members of the coaching staff? I guess I don't, other than Brian Kelly, who said he wants to, you know, at least do a couple more years after his contract expires, I'm not really sure what meaning or teeth a a contract extension would have. Like, if you extend Chip Long and then he wants to replace Mike Norvell at Memphis, he's going to do that anyway. You know, it's not going to stop. Right, right. Like, for... Yeah, the contracts con- con- for assistants right, don't con- mean anything. Right. It's well, like, contracts for head coaches don't mean anything yeah, either. But I especially guess for but... assistants, because it's like it's it's all what they want to do and whether they enjoy working where they're working. They um, don't hold them to those contracts right. when they have a better opportunity. No, it's uh, I think for Notre Dame, it's a, you want you can't stop Chuck Martin from going from Notre Dame to Miami of Howe. You should be able to stop Mike Elko from going from Notre Dame to Texas A&M. <laughs> That's, As a coordinator. That's right. what you need to stop. Or Tony Alford leaving for Ohio State. Like, those kinds of moves. But it's like it's point. not like anybody's going to sit there and be like, well, if you had extended Autry Denson, he would have been the head coach at Charleston Southern. Like, it doesn't work that way. If you want to be a head coach, you're going to be a head coach. So And Brian Kelly's all for you becoming a head coach. Yeah, That's so the... it's, it's, not, it's less about the term of the extension and more about the dollars in the term. Um, so as long as they're, they're – Chip Long's making – a million plus, and Clark Lee, if he has another really good season, should be making something similar. Even though he's, I think, gonna he he could be Brian Kelly's last defensive coordinator. Um, if that happens, yeah. then then you're fine. You just, you gotta have Notre Dame be a good place to work where you're well compensated and so far. And right now, I I think Notre Dame checks both those boxes. Yeah, but Clark Lee is going to be a very attractive head coaching candidate very soon if he can. Well, this is going to be a real challenge for him. He's not going right. to have as good a defense as he did last year. So if he can find a way to, you know, cobble that together in some of the areas where there where there appear to be some some weaknesses or inexperience, then he's going to be that much closer to being a head coach. At Way to Go K-Man, with Florida versus Miami playing on Week 0 and Nordane playing Navy in Ireland on Week 0 in 2020, do you think Nordane will try to play in Week 0 in the future? It gets them on national stage and, more importantly, gets them a second bye. The second bye is nice. Well, but but, you know, but let me shoot that down because you're starting the season earlier. So now your season's longer. So I don't know that the second bye, you're creating a second bye by starting yeah. earlier. You're starting practice in July. You've played a real college football game and get to work on things, though. Although it's Navy, so you actually have to re- revamp everything you've done. But uh, I, I do not need the college football season to be longer. I just cover it. So I think if I was a player or a coach, I would feel even more conviction yeah, I agree. about that. You think, I think the players probably do. I think I think coaching's the coaches like to see they've they've played a football game and then they have time off and then they're going to the season basically. Yeah, I, you know I think I mean Notre Dame's going to be on stage by themselves for Louisville on Labor Day. Brian Kelly wants to play a preseason football game in August. He's talked about it. He said every team should, like we talked about the spring yeah, game. That's like yeah. a practice, that's right? Not but a game. I think that it's good. I think they like having yeah, you can that pull film. players out. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, it. you can pull people in and out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. national stage. Uh, I think that they're fine. On yeah, that. I think yeah. They're okay on the no, I mean the, the 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 second buy, but I think that I think that you lose the value of that by starting so much earlier. And you know now, well, this year Labor Day, Nordame on Labor yeah. Day would 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 national TV like Nordame on uh, you know playing Labor Day on every other three years. That's what they've got. I mean, they got Louisville this year and uh, Florida State in yeah. 2021. Right. Um, I, I would say just say, mark it down. We'll be doing this podcast in November. They're like, God, this season is going on forever. Uh, I I think it will feel more than an extra week. There's no doubt. Having covered, having done this for a long time, that second bye week is always welcome. But, man, November is long <laughs> as hell with that yeah. second bye week. Uh, last question from at Kalise underscore fam underscore five. Everyone I've spoken to seems to think Notre Dame can get into the playoffs at 11-1 with a loss 
at Georgia. I suspect the only way an 11-1 Irish gets in is with a signature win at Georgia. What are your I thoughts? Totally agree with where this person is coming from. I think the 11-1, and if there's going to be a one, it needs to be at home against Virginia. Can't be Virginia Tech. It's got to be Virginia. For the I'd say Virginia. Yeah. It's early. Early. Team is pretty good, and it assures that you won at Georgia, at Michigan, at Sanford. I do like the 11-1 signature win at Georgia because, first of all, the whole college football world would stand up and take notice of that win. And the notion of the good loss is they've they put too much on that good loss. <laughs> like, the Clemson was the best loss ever, and they still weren't going to get in. Had that field goal miss for Stanford. Yeah, we found out after the fact. This, that they have it's so tied to what everybody else is yeah. doing that's competing for a playoff spot. That to, That's why, you know, like when, I mean, will Norton get in at 11-1? I don't know. There's too many other moving parts to to say that, Pete. I think what what you said though. I mean that. So eight and four Virginia is what you're basically eight and four. If it's well, nice normal every day. I mean, it could be six and six Virginia because I mean Oklahoma lost. Uh, it was what I think it was 2015. Oklahoma lost to a terrible Texas team and made it. Yeah, I don't want to uh, make people throw up in their mouths, but what about a one point loss at Michigan? Uh, well, I, the, prob- <laughs> yeah. the, the problem with that is the same. It's the same thing as Georgia. Okay, let's say Michigan wins a Big Ten. Well, you're not getting in over Michigan. Yeah, if you lost to Michigan. The issues Michigan there. Beating Georgia knocks out the SEC East essentially. Um, that's because they're they're going to get in almost every time. They didn't last year because Notre Dame was able to go undefeated and Georgia had a loss. So if Notre Dame. Uh, lo- their only loss was to Virginia. That would mean that they have victories at Georgia, USC at home, at Michigan, Virginia Tech, at Stanford. And they would have won, what, like seven, their last seven games? All right, I will argue they could lose USC, too. Not two. Instead of Virginia. At, instead of. Instead of Virginia. Just because the one problem with beating Georgia and then losing to Virginia is seven days later, everybody says, I told you Notre Dame was fraud <laughs> right after they upset Georgia. So maybe USC is a forgivable loss. Mm. Nine and three USC. Uh, yeah, nine I mean, I USC. think. How is USC winning nine <laughs> games? Hey, you have talent out there. Sure. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, I, we are going to we're going to give you two dates as to when we will have our next podcast. It may be a week from today, which is May twentieth, or it could be in about two and a half weeks. Uh, it won't be on. It won't be two weeks from today because that's a holiday. Uh, so it'll either be a week from today or uh, about two and a half weeks from now. Not a lot of breaking news, which... Well, there will be now that you said that. Yeah, I know, there's... which I was going to say during the off season is a great thing. Uh, we like that. Nordim likes that because usually breaking news is not good during the off season. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get back with you folks again in about a week or two and a half weeks. We'll let you know as soon as possible. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.